was Damood, who played at Old Mother Friday night. The brewery underwent construction to expand its space in order to be allowed to host entertainment. But now many other breweries, distilleries, and restaurants, even those under 10,000 square feet, will be able to host entertainment. This means more live music, trivia nights, yoga sessions, and more. Heather Mangilio, and this is Frederick Uncut. On Thursday, the city of Frederick passed an ordinance that would allow establishments under 10,000 square feet to host entertainment as long as the entertainment was held inside and between a set time period. Business representatives who attended the city's weekly meeting said that being able to have entertainment will allow their businesses to be more competitive with the D.C. and Baltimore markets. Matt Thrasher, who co-owns Rockwell Brewery and was one of the main people pushing for this ordinance, told me that he hosts a trivia night weekly. And while he doesn't quite understand the appeal of trivia, it fills his brewery on what would usually be a slow Monday night. As someone who does attend trivia at a brewery, although not in Frederick, I understand what he was saying. The brewery I go to is packed with people every time there's trivia. And this ordinance will benefit more than just Rockwell. Monica Pierce at 10th Ward Distilling Company said the ordinance will help her. In designing Smoketown Creekside, owner Dave Blackman specifically built a stage in hopes that this ordinance will allow him to host musicians. For musicians and artists, the ordinance gives them more venues to perform. The ordinance passing comes just after another bar announced that they were closing. That's just another venue that these artists lost. To better understand how this ordinance will help benefit musicians, business reporter Erica Riley went to Old Mother Friday night. She spoke with Andrew Bromhall, who is a musician with Silent Old Mountains, who were performing that night. How long have you been playing music in Frederick for? Um, so I started playing music um, in high school. Oh. I'm, I just turned 32, so that it's been a while. Um, but as this band in Silent Old Mountains, we've been playing since 2011. Okay. So that's been a little bit of time. But I've been playing like as a high schooler, it was like Grange Halls and, and community centers and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. So. Has it been easy to find places to play? Um, not always. As I've gotten older, it, it, like when you become of age when you become 21 it's easier to find especially when everyone in your band is 21 then it's even easier um but yeah like leading up to that it's like and there also used to be when i was kind of coming up and before 21 it was like there was a lot more coffee shops that would have live music and now those coffee shops is like kind of folded or are not around or not having music as they used to and uh um so yeah it I, but seeing it now and like thinking like if I was in high school now and I had a band and I was trying to play a show where would I play like because all of the like Grange Halls I used to play in don't have bands play anymore or like the coffee shops that existed that allowed kids to come in and cut their teeth don't exist anymore so yeah I understand it would be much harder but being 32 it's like I can be at a bar and I can play in a bar and it's fine but so it I haven't had an issue necessarily for the last you know 12 years but so have you played in a lot of breweries any other breweries um I've played Flying Dog before a couple of times like both the band and solo um 
I have played other spots, but not in Frederick. So um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I am just like blanking on it. But okay. Flying Dog for sure. But yeah. Do you think that the new entertainment ordinance that allows breweries to hold live music will like kind of help the music scene in Frederick? I believe, like, absolutely. Like, specifically, like, we've last year we played McClintock's two-year anniversary, and um, my future brother-in-law works for McClintock, and he. I remember asking, like, why don't you guys do more? And he's like, just the hoops that small places like McClintock or 10th Ward or, like, some of the smaller breweries. Like, um, like I have played at Monocacy, but solo, I remember that. But, like, that's a smaller place, too. And it's just, like, the hoops that they would have to jump through to have live music regularly. It's, like, and it ends up being kind of expensive, too. So, in which you know why would you if you're just going to have someone come in and perform why would you spend so much money every single week doing it it, like it having that not be a thing has to be a good thing so awesome that's very okay well thank you very much yeah absolutely can you start by just uh telling me your name and also how you spell it yeah uh so my name is todd mazzy and um What's your title here? Um, I am a bartender. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so could you tell me just a bit about like the role that having events here has played in the brewery and just like the nightlife here? Um, it's been huge. Um, so first, for live music, there's not too many venues downtown that have a large space like this. So uh, as far as bringing a music culture to our town and being able to support a large amount of people coming to see it, and broadcasting uh, talents of artists um, has been huge. And then it's also been helpful with people who have uh, large parties, like weddings and things like that. They can have receptions here or pre-parties. There's a lot of businesses that will throw events here and stuff too. So it really gets people out into the community. Um, It helps us support local businesses and other types of people and artists. And then also at the same time, they have a space to, you know, have creative freedom. Has it um, changed the music scene here, you think, like having the space in the back for the band? Uh, 100%. So uh, every Tuesday night, we do a live acoustic night to try and showcase uh, local artists, artists from all over the country, um, as a smaller kind of just a little bit of taste of music. And then we're, our goal right now is to try and do something where once a month on like every, you know, like on a Friday, we'll have a live concert similar to what's going on tonight. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like, um, do you know other breweries? Like, do you know what their response has kind of been to trying to have enter like events and? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the push right now is to create more space because when you have more space, more people can come to your establishment. Um, I know that a couple other spaces in town are expanding. Uh, Attaboy just expanded and got their their bear house. Idiom is about to expand. So I think that it's only going to allow for this type of thing to grow. Um, you know, obviously live music is awesome. Um, we've recently lost a couple of bars and breweries in town. So um, I think it's for the better. I think it's going to be huge. Hopefully we can get something going here where we can continually have live music because it brings people out. 
So it's a good thing. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> to read more about the passing of the entertainment ordinance, visit fredericknewspost.com. This story has been covered multiple times by different News Post reporters, but it was originally covered months ago by former Features reporter Kate Masters. To read her story, visit fredericknewspost.com slash 72 underscore hours. Now City Editor Alan Etzler joins me to recap the rest of the news from this week and last week. Okay, Alan, can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on with the rest of this week? Yeah, for sure. So um, we've got some pretty interesting things happening this week. The First thing that I think a lot of people are looking forward to is the opening of Monoxie Boulevard. That's finally happening. Happening. We've written a lot about it not happening for various reasons. The project was delayed and is opening about eight months after the expected completion date, uh, which has had a lot of people frustrated, including myself, who has to travel that road to get to where my family lives in Walkersville. Uh, so I'll be happy to see it finished as well. And of course, since I'm a a good reporter and i'm skeptical of everything it is actually opening they're well, not just telling us this so they've invited us to a ribbon cutting that's <laughs> what we know um it very well could could be delayed more and i think that's the approach um a lot of our readers are taking too is kind of a, i'll believe it when i see it type thing i believe the frederick news post editorial board took a similar approach we'll believe it when we see it I am the eternal optimist, as I'm sure you know me as completely. Uh, no, um, but I'm I'm holding out hope that it that it does open. I've driven past it a few times. It, there's lines painted on the road. I mean, it looks done. It looks done. So I'm I'm hoping we can we can have that that actually happen uh, this week. A couple other stories I'm looking forward to, um, and one of them is yours. So I'll get you to talk a little bit more about it. Is Rooster Bio? I'm kind of looking at what the company has done. Um, in terms of stem cell research, and I believe you've already started a lot of the reporting on that, so I'll let you take over from there. But they're doing a lot of cool things in the in the world of stem cell uh, and trying to kind of standardize how that's done. Yeah, they're, um, I met with the, one of the co-founders earlier this morning, and um, it took me a little bit of uh, recapping my high school biology to kind of understand what they're doing. But um, basically the way they describe it is they're trying to be the intel of cells. Yeah. Um, so... He was explaining that if you have a microchip um, and you are Apple and you need to make a microchip uh, for each of your phones, your process is going to be delayed significantly because you're making this. Um, But if you can buy one from Intel, your phone or whatever you're making goes a lot faster. And um, for cells, they're kind of trying to do the same thing where if they can make the cells and make them so that they're industry ready, they can help people who are working on therapeutics for different um, diseases or different conditions make it so that they can move on a little faster. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And from my, from my understanding as well, I've had some conversations with John Rowley, the co- one of the co-founders there. Um, they're ahead of anybody else in the world. Yeah. He, um, he mentioned that he leads that they're the first people to kind of do this. Um, they're working on some patents now as well. Um, and it sounds like something that would be pretty interesting. I think there has been a lot of people who have like done the kind of creating, you know, cultivating cells. Um, one mm-hmm. of the most famous cases actually is from Hopkins with the Henrietta Lack cells, which are not the most ethically clean cells. But what they're doing is a little bit different um, in that they're kind of getting them ready. They're still doing this whole cultivating cells, but they're they're being used for different purposes. They're really focusing on regenerative medicine. Yeah, and for kind of the layman like myself who doesn't understand a whole lot of about medicine and health, um, it seems very groundbreaking. It's, it seems very innovative. 
Um, and like, it would be a step in the right direction for curing things like, like diabetes, who I know, uh, which I know is really near and dear to the company for various reasons, which I'm, I'm sure you've, you've been told about. Um, the other, the other story I'm also really looking forward to this week is, um, Steve Bonell is working on a story about recycling in Frederick County. And so a lot of people don't know that recycling is costing the county $6 million a year. So, um, that is for uh, various numbers of of reasons, but I think a lot of us have come to uh, expect or or come to just kind of accept recycling as part of our everyday lives. Now we recycle, and recycling is good. Um, but there are some real issues that that the county's encountered with it, especially as as it's scaled, as it's gotten to scale, um, because there's so much supply. There's not enough. Uh, there's not enough demand now, or or those the value of those products has decreased, and so you don't make as much money in, in selling the the recycled products, the end products of whatever you're recycling. Um, but I, I'm interested in in seeing how that that story uh, turns out, just because we have accepted it as part of our lifestyle. Is it worth six million dollars? And I, I think a lot of people would probably say that it is, just because it's so good for the environment, right? Um, so I I hope that. Um, that's a question that some of our readers are asking and diving into when they when they read that story next this week. I believe it's supposed to come out Friday, but who knows? <laughs> All right, perfect. And how about last week? Was there anything that happened last week that we we missed or we should talk about? Yeah, I, I hope you guys will tune into the final score this week um, because we had two state champions uh, in football in Middletown and Catoctin. Uh, we had three play in the state championship game. Linganore didn't have the type of performance I think they were <laughs> they were hoping to have, uh, but. Middletown and Catoctin both uh, won on Saturday, so I'm really looking forward to hearing that episode, um, especially after the state championships. It's a really fun episode where we get the coaches in here, and they actually go over some of the plays, some of the big plays that changed the course of the game, and they tell you, the players and the coaches tell you what they saw and why they called what they called and why they did what they did. And that's a for a sports guru, if you're interested in sports, um, it's a really good opportunity to kind of learn a little bit of the, the X's and O's on, on the field. You know, for growing, growing up in Maryland, I feel like we're not the southern states that, even though we're in the south, that yeah. really get into their high school football teams. But, you know, looking on social media as this state championship was approaching for all the teams, um, it's kind of impressive. Like, I think we actually are starting to find ourselves, you know, Crab cakes football. and football. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you're right. We uh, we are certainly not Florida, being that I lived in Florida and North Carolina. We are not the South. Um, but we, that doesn't take away from the talent that we produce. Yeah. We produce very good players um, and, and very good teams, programs that are, are storied, and that's in Frederick County and, and outside of Frederick County in, in the in the state. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say uh, we're finding our footing. Our footing's been found. It's just there's not this kind of rabid behavior, which I actually come to appreciate because you see how seriously people take it in the South. And at the end of the day, it is just football. Um, so I, I actually think we have a very nice balance of producing good teams, uh, but also having a community that stands behind them and doesn't you know, take people to uh, the woodshed for not playing real well, you know? Yeah, it was very nice. I had... um. One of the you know online groups that I follow just for reporting stakes, they are posting about every game so that if you wanted yeah. to tune in, you could tune in, which is like something nice to see. I, I went to Howard County where we had good football teams. I did not go to school with <laughs> a good football team, so I kind of was excited to like be in a community that actually yeah. knew how to play football. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it is good, and uh, it's it's you know sports are a little bit of an escape from the real world but they provide a real community to to get behind and that's that's nice that's one of the best things about sports i think 
Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're getting to experience that too. Um, I did want to mention, uh, two other stories that I found. Um, one was, uh, actually in today's newspaper about Goodwill. Goodwill is, um, adapting to the changing environment and they've been struggling for revenue, uh, over the last five to 10 years, really. Um, and, they are making, especially the Frederick County uh, area Goodwill, it's the Goodwill Industries of Minoxi Valley, it's a long title, um, but uh, they are making a push into e-commerce, um, and it's working. Uh, they've seen a major increase in revenue since CEO Michael Meyer took over, and this move into revenue has given them a lot more opportunities to, to achieve their core mission, which is to train people for jobs and get people employed. Uh, so I think that's important, and I think the... Uh, the steps they've taken to get into e-commerce uh, are important to to their future to be able to do what they want to do. If you want to hear a little bit more about the story, feel free to check it out on FrederickNewsPost.com. It'll be up there. Um, and then another story, which actually also appeared in today's paper, uh, was kind of a live event story that I just loved, um, was uh, an event that a hair salon held to do uh, to teach dads how to style their daughter's hair. And I think that's absolutely adorable. It's also, as a, a adult male who is not a father, one of the things I would fear the most about fatherhood of a daughter is doing hair uh, because you see just some really great hairstyles that women are doing and the little girls have, whatever, and I would have no idea how to get that to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm glad there were some dads out there taking the time to learn how to do their daughter's hair. It's an important thing to be involved in your daughter's uh, upbringing and, and their childhood, and I think that's a nice opportunity for them to bond. So I thought that was a really cute, really cool story. Perfect. Well, Alan, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. To help me switch from news to reviews, food and education reporter Katrina Pereira now joins me in the studio to discuss her latest food review. So, Katrina, where did you go to eat this week? This week, I went to Foster's on the Point in Hagerstown. And what did you think? Um, It was really good. I decided to expand my geographic limits a little bit and travel up to Hagerstown and... um, I found a really, like, cozy little restaurant um, just off the highway. All right. Let's start with the name. Foster's on the point. Is it on a point? There is not, um, unless I was totally missing something when I was there. Um, It's kind of just off a highway. Um, It's kind of surrounded by residential houses, um, but no point as far as I could see. All right. So, no point. How about the atmosphere? What would you describe it like? Um, I would kind of describe it as like a chic, modern, industrial like bar. Um, A lot of wood paneling on the inside. A lot of like really cozy like industrial type decor. Um, It kind of feels like really like an elevated neighborhood bar. All right. So no point. Pretty cozy, like a nice chic location. Mm -hmm. But what we really want to know is how is the food? The food was pretty good. Um, one thing I noticed is as a trend is that their appetizers seem to fall a little short, but their entrees totally, um, you know, surpass the bar. Um, really, really good food. All right. So what's one thing that you did have as an appetizer that didn't make the mark or that you did actually think was pretty good? Yeah. So for during a dinner visit, I tried their mussels, which are your pretty standard like appetizer mussels steamed in like a white wine kind of broth with a lot of garlic, a lot of herbs. And, you know, that really nice crusty bread on the side. Um, I just found that there wasn't that white wine flavor that I, you know, come to expect in these appetizers. Um, The mussels were a little more briny and salty than um, 
I was expecting and I just didn't feel that like tangy crispness of like you know a refreshing like kind of white wine broth mm-hmm. um other than that the dish was fine but I just felt like it lacked in like that really particular flavor and when we're talking about appetizers how many people do these appetizers feed um I think depending on the appetizer it can be anywhere from like two to four people all right, and how about prices? Were we talking extremely high prices for appetizers? Um, appetizers, no. I will say that their entrees, most of them start at $20 and go up. All right, so your muscles were okay. Mm-hmm. What else did you have that you thought was actually pretty good? Um, so for dinner, I had their butcher's cut steak, um, which is their daily cut of meat. Um, and mine was essentially like a, just a four ounce cut of filet. Um, but it was super, super tender, really well cooked, um, and just very, very, a good steak all around. And so when you went first went there, did you expect, I'm going to find a pretty good steak here? Um, I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't really sure of the vibe of the place looking from their menu. It's pretty typical standard bar food, but also I could tell that it was a little more elevated than that. So I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, but it turned out pretty well. And so you're talking at a bar, um, which, but having this like nice filet steak. So mm-hmm. is it the bar like setting or is there games on the TV when I'm eating dinner? I would say maybe one TV has a game on it. Um, the other TV actually had the cooking channel on. Mm-hmm. So I got hooked onto that when I was eating. Um, but it's kind of like, I wouldn't describe it as a sports bar at all. Um, I would describe it more as like a place you go to have a drink in like a casual setting, if that makes sense. All right. Well, and how about lunch? Are there lunch options? There are. There are some really nice salads, um, sandwiches, burgers. I tried one of their burgers in particular, and it was really good. And how did you think that what you got matched up to the price that you paid? I think it matched up great. Um, like I said, most of the dinner entrees started $20, and I thought what I got was worth, I think it was maybe like the $26 that I paid. And... Did you try any of the drinks at the bar? Um, I did. I tried one of their signature, I guess, winter cocktails that they're offering. It was kind of like this grapefruit margarita with like a chili salt rim. And it was really, really good. Um, My guest actually had a pumpkin white Russian um, and she really enjoyed it. So highly recommend the cocktails. I'm going to have to say the pumpkin white Russian sounds like kind of a fall wintry drink. I'm not sure if yours does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing, but I was in a margarita mood, so <laughs> I went for it. And in that the rim, was it, you know, did it give that little spice to it? It did. It had a little kick to it. Yeah. Well, that sounds very interesting. I think people are going to have to go test that out and let us know what they think. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Well, is there anything else that you think we should know? No, I mean, the only thing is that it is a bit of a drive for people of Frederick County. But, you know, if you're holiday shopping at the Hagerstown outlets, this might be a good spot for you for lunch or dinner. All right. Perfect. Well, Katrina, as always, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. You can read more of Katrina's reviews and her education reporting at fredericknewspost.com. You can also follow Frederick News Post reporters on Twitter by following handle at Fred News Post or follow us on Facebook. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Brangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.